Good day, Crime Talk aficionados. My name is Scott Reich, and this is Crime Talk. Yes, I'm coming to you from a conference room at the courthouse, but mission accomplishment, that's what matters. First on the docket, Alex Murdoch blames his cousin for the death of his wife and son. Judge Boyce does not stay the case of Chad Daybell, as the prosecutors requested. What does that mean? The painful-to-watch Daryl Brooks trial continues. I'll explain. Let me introduce you to two idiots that need to go to prison. And then finally, our dumb criminal of the day. Let's talk about it. Good day, Crime Talk aficionados. You know the drill. Subscribe if you have not. Like if you do. Hit that little bell so you receive notifications of when we go live or put up new content. And as always, leave me a comment below about what we discussed today. And remember, if you're on the go, just like I am today, you can listen to us on any of your favorite podcasting apps. Just simply type in Scott Reich Crime Talk. You'll find it. All right. As I noted, I am in court today. I thought it was going to be a quick court appearance. Famous last words. Nothing's quick. Nothing's easy. It's always more difficult than it needs to be. Anyway, because we're efficient and mission accomplishment is to put a video out every day. Let's go ahead and open the record for October 17th of 2022. Well, the South Carolina disgraced and disbarred attorney Alex Murdoch has accused someone else of murdering his wife and his son. That's right, his cousin and the hitman that he, his son, his cousin hired to kill him. Now, Murdoch is in custody on multiple charges, including uh, double homicide, and police say he shot his wife, Maggie, dead in June of 2021, and also killed his 22-year-old son, Paul. Now, Murdoch's legal and financial troubles were mounting. He was uh, snowed under by some big debt thanks to his alleged crippling painkiller addiction and had turned to stealing from his own law firm to uh, try to keep up with his constant bills. He insisted he wasn't the killer and that his distant cousin, Curtis Eddie Smith, is to blame for their deaths. Now, in a recent court filing, Murdoch's attorneys say the police overlooked a lie detector test taken by Smith during which he was asked about the murders. Smith allegedly told investigators he was nowhere, nowhere near the Murdoch family home the night of the killings and that he'd been at his own house with his friends. But they say the test indicated that he was lying when he made those statements. Now, Smith is the same man police say was hired by Murdoch to shoot him in the back of the head weeks after uh, Paul and uh, Maggie's murders. And uh, in the same polygraph test, uh, it is alleged that Smith suggested another theory that Maggie was having an affair with a groundskeeper that her son Paul came home and discovered the uh, romantic interlude, perhaps. He suggested that the uh, groundskeeper then murdered both Paul and Maggie in a panic. Now, Smith did not give the name of the uh, groundskeeper, uh, nor did he explain why he thought that may even be a plausible theory. His attorneys told the state that he is not guilty of murdering Paul and Maggie and that he has an ironclad alibi to prove it. Now, uh, Eddie Smith continues to be a victim of Alec Murdoch and his deeds. Now, if you look at this case since the murder, there has been a desire on the part of Alex Murdoch to insinuate that Eddie Smith is somehow involved. This is a continuation of that, and Murdoch has also been accused 
of impropriety in the handling of the death of uh, Gloria Satterfield, a housekeeper who died in 2018 after suffering a fall at the family's uh, hunting lodge. Now, her sons sued Murdoch for stealing the uh, money he paid them through an insurance company after they uh, filed a wrongful death lawsuit. It is alleged that Alex Murdoch encouraged them to sue him personally to be able to claim some money, but that he pocketed the millions of dollars paid by the insurance company instead. The uh, family's seemingly perfect life unraveled back in June of last year with Maggie and Paul's murders. And uh, with the notoriety of the killings came renewed attention on a previous scandal, the death of a 19-year-old girl on a boat that was being driven by Paul Murdoch. Paul had been drinking when he took the wheel of the boat. Uh, Mallory Beach was thrown from the boat uh, once they hit a pillar, and it took a search team's days to find her body. Now, Alex was, past tense, a successful local lawyer and worked in various branches of the local government, including the prosecutor, just like his father and grandfather, who were the local prosecutors, and the family was an alleged pillar of the local legal community. Uh, now, soon after their deaths, Alex's addiction to opioid painkillers was revealed, along with his mounting debt. He tried to have himself killed by uh, Smith in what police said was a failed life insurance scam plot for the sake of his remaining son, Buster. Now, this raises a couple of issues for trial. First, yes, you have a right to say, hey, it wasn't me, but to say that somebody else did it, you have to be able to show that they were able to, in fact, commit the murder. You can't just accuse anybody else of doing it if you're gonna say, I didn't do it, but somebody else did. So it's not necessarily coming in. And the admission of the results of a polygraph test, uh, guess what? not coming in. Polygraphs are unreliable, have been uh, kept out of court because they are simply a tool of interrogation. Um, personally, I think they're junk, uh, but that's not going to come in. But based upon these pleadings, guess what? It made it to the news media. We're talking about it and others in the local area will be talking about it as well. We'll see how things play out. Next on the docket, the Chad Daybell case. The case is not stayed in regards to the Daybell matter. What does that mean? Well, let's take a look at the order that the judge filed uh, and was made available to the uh, public as of today. On October 13th, 2022, during a motions hearing held in this case, the state made an oral motion for the court to enter a stay in this case pending the determination of the competency to stand trial in the co-defendant's case. Obviously, the co-defendant is Lori Vallow. Obviously, Chad DeBell and Lori's cases are currently joined for the purposes of trial, and the defendant objected to the state's motion to stay the case. He then states, for the reasons stated on the record, the court denied the motion to stay. So what does that mean? As of now, the case in the speedy trial clock is ticking. Now, granted, the six-month speedy trial has been waived, and Chad DeBell has indicated he would do whatever he needs to do to continue the uh, jury trial. Why is the judge not staying the case? Well, the argument from the prosecution has been, first, the cases were brought in the same indictment. We only want to do one trial, and that one trial is expensive, but two would be really expensive. Judge Boyce, to his credit, has not stayed Chad Daybell's case as of yet does not appear he wants to wait and see what is going on with Lori Vallow. Why? Because he can't. When a case is stayed 
and there is one defendant and competency issues arise, it's a no-brainer. The case stops other than the restoration and status updates with the court. What do you do when there are multiple defendants? Well, you can't just hold them in custody until the co-defendant gets better. What if the day does not come? What if it's years down the road? What if the co-defendant does not get better, can't wait for the perfect results, and in the process, you potentially violate the defendant's right for a speedy trial? Now, take the money aspect out of uh, the picture that the prosecution keeps raising. They're starting to act like they're scared to go to trial. I'll say it again. A prosecutor that feels good about their case says, Judge, you tell me where and you tell me what time, and I will have my witnesses and my evidence ready to go to prove this case beyond a reasonable doubt. Well, let me know in the comments if you, or maybe like me, not getting a warm, fuzzy feeling the prosecutor wants to keep going forward. Next, the painful Waukesha parade case with Daryl Brooks continues. And uh, the day began by Mr. Brooks denying that he had received a pre-trial plea offer from the state, an issue that he raised last week. And the Waukesha County District Attorney, Sue Opper, said the offer was initially sent to Brooks and his attorney back in July, then resubmitted to him directly Thursday after he claimed he had never received an offer. In return, the offer was, in return for pleading guilty to counts 1 through 67 in the complaint, prosecutors offered to strike the penalty enhancers and to dismiss the remaining counts. Prosecutor. Now, offer said that the prosecutors would recommend six consecutive life sentences for the homicide charges, effectively meaning he's going to prison for the rest of his life. Needless to say, the trial resumed and there must be no disposition in the case, obviously. My advice would be to the prosecutors is don't do a plea bargain in this particular case. He will just attempt to withdraw it uh, down the road, play games, go to trial, give him what he wants, and play silly little games, and he will be convicted. Next on the docket, these two idiots need to go to prison. Not very good examples for their kids. An apparent road rage incident in Florida led to two girls getting shot and their fathers both being arrested on attempted murder charges. Now, in a news conference on Monday, Nassau County Sheriff Bill Leeper said that William Hale and Frank Allison were riding in separate vehicles on October 8th with their respective daughters when they had a driving dispute. According to a witness that uh, called 911, said that the two men were driving erratically and brake checking each other. And the witnesses also said that the two men were playing a, a cat and mouse game on the road. In the press conference, the sheriff told uh, everybody how the situation turned violent. According to Leeper, Hale was driving a black Dodge Ram when he pulled up alongside Allison's gray Nissan Murano. Hale yelled at Allison to pull over. Leeper says that a passenger in Allison's Nissan made an obscene gesture at Hale. Someone in Hale's vehicle then threw a plastic water bottle into Allison's vehicle. Then, according to uh, the sheriff, Allison grabbed his uh, SIG, Sour, and uh, fired one shot at Hale's truck before speeding away. Uh, the bullet struck Hale's five-year-old daughter in the leg. When Hale realized that his daughter had, in fact, been shot, he then allegedly pursued Allison's truck and fired several bullets from his Glock handgun. Uh, one of the bullets hit Allison's 14-year-old daughter in the back, collapsing her lung. Both men then continued speeding along when they saw a sheriff's vehicle on the side of the road. 
They apparently pulled over and began then fist fighting until a deputy was able to split them up. Both of the children were rushed to the hospital. They are both expected to survive their injuries. You can't make this stuff up. But both men had been charged with second-degree attempted murder. They were each booked on a $150,000 bond. Both have been released, and they have not yet entered a pleas yet. But I'm assuming they'll say not guilty. It was self-defense. But it's really not because, <laughs> well, it's not. Um, basically, everyone's lucky that nobody got killed, but uh, we'll see how things go. And then finally on the docket today, the dumb criminal of the day. Some general rules when it comes to police stops. Okay, first, uh, there's usually always uh, drugs or weapons in the car, too. Uh, there's usually crack cocaine in some sort of container. And if a suspect is wearing a D.A.R.E. t-shirt, they're probably holding. Exhibit A. With regard to observation number three, please meet Michelle Ochoa. The 35-year-old Texan was arrested recently after police pulled over a vehicle in which she was a passenger. When questioned by the police, Ochoa apparently openly stated that, hey, I got a couple of warrants in the neighboring county. And of course, what's the police to do? A computer check confirmed that Ochoa was wanted for failure to appear in court on narcotic possession charges. A search of Ochoa's bag turned up Xanax, for which she does not have a prescription. Elsewhere in the vehicle, officers found cocaine, a scale, indicative of distribution, and several unused plastic baggies consistent with that of a packaging of narcotics prior to distribution. Another occupant of the vehicle reportedly told the cops that Ochoa had narcotics sealed on her person, but uh, that strip search uh, found no contraband. As you can see, Ochoa is sporting her dare to keep kids off of drugs t-shirt, and uh, she was ultimately placed into jail for narcotics possessions. All right, thanks for being patient. I hope the volume is okay. There's court going on next door, so I don't want to talk too loud. Anyway, thanks for watching. Hope you're having a great day, not just a good day. We'll see you next time on Crime Talk.